Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss X-Men... Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What? What is this? What? This is the Uncanny X-Men? Hang on a second. It's no longer on sale monthly? No, it's... It's the Uncanny X-Men number 114, the October 1978 issue, on sale July 18th of 1978, and it is titled Desolation. Nobody is escaping to desolation. My mind is literally blown. I didn't know that they put Uncanny... Like I, I did read the issue and everything, but I, I totally missed the uncanny p- part. I did too until just now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the title officially is still X Men and doesn't switch to Uncanny X Men for a little while here. But yep, you're seeing it uh, too, buddy. The first appearance of the Uncanny X Men on the cover. What do you mean the title is still officially the X Men? If you look at any, like, references or comic book guides, it lists this as X-Men up until issue 141, I believe. And then issue 142, it officially switches over to the Uncanny X-Men. Bizarro. Yeah, price guides and everything. Like, I guess they officially published it at that. I don't know how that works. I mean, it seems like they could just change the name whenever they wanted to, but... Somebody should do some research and tell us what the answer is. But we'll save that for another day, because on the cover of this, it also appears that the X-Men have died. It even says the X-Men have died the day the X-Men died. So on the cover, we see Beast and Jean uh, walking the professor through the empty hallways of the mansions. Come on, like this is a total spoiler cover, because in the last issue... We left Beast and Jean Grey in the middle of Antarctica freezing, so this cover immediately tells us that they're fine. It tells us that the rest of the X-Men are dead, though. That's quite shocking. Yeah, but... but, Yeah. This this will be the rest of the series. The X-Men will haunt the halls. <laughs> it's, it's Go, now... my ghostly X-Men! It is now called the Uncanny Ghost X-Men. But we can't do anything, <laughs> Professor. We're ghosts. You're not trying hard enough, Wolverine. Come on, bub. <laughs> Ghost claws ain't no good. Snicked. <laughs> Snicked. <laughs> yep, the X-Men are ghostly. And this is a David... I'm going to do it again. It's a John Byrne and uh, Chuck Austin cover. Or Terry Austin. I'm going to get everybody's name wrong. <laughs> you sure are. <laughs> and on the cover, we have Gene Smith with Hank... Uh, Peterson and Professor Montgomery Xavier. <laughs> my name's Adam. <laughs> oh, yeah. My name's Gabriel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyhow, let's just move on. to Actually, oh, so uh, to, to further the commentary in the cover, it's boring. Yeah, it's kind of lame. <laughs> so let's open up this book. All right, we see the Beast carrying Jean Grey. They're both covered in snow. The issue is called Desolation, as this snowdrift spells out for us. Claremont and John Byrne are the plotters. 
while Claremont writes and I guess John draws, Terry Austin inks, Gene Simic letters, Glynis Ween colors, Roger Stern is the editor, and Jim Shooter, Shooter, is the editor-in-chief. Do you think people in the Marvel hallways walked around and did that to Jim? And went, Shooter. I would. Hey, it's the Shooter Man. Shooter. And you'd be fired. (laughs) Yeah, maybe he had a reputation for that. I hate that. You're fired. Well, um, I, I kind of feel like this is a cheat because at the end of the last issue, we saw a beast collapsing on top of Gene, and he was like, so tired, so tired. Why am I so warm even though it's so cold out? And then in this dialogue, it's like, he doesn't know why. He should have died. He almost did. He felt his life slip away, but something deep inside him forced him to walk across the Antarctic wastes. I felt like that was kind of a cheat. Well, what would you rather have seen happen? Him die. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know. Like, maybe the Phoenix Force, like, even subconsciously, Gene's able to conjure up some power to get them to go, or I don't know. Maybe a S.H.I.E.L.D. helicopter comes by, or the Avengers, maybe. Maybe that's off-panel. That could be. The, the Phoenix Force gave him some energy. That, that could be, I suppose. But I do like the picture here with uh, Beast is all, like, snow frost-covered and everything. And Gene is pretty snow frost covered too. Yeah, but I mean, it's like stuck to his like, well, all of his fur, which it would be. I mean, there's a lot. Of, I, it, there's a lot of detail going on in the splash page, and I like it. Hank McCoy, Avenger, Gene Gray, X Men. They need only one thing to survive this night: a miracle. I was gonna say each other. <laughs> be like a campy eighties movie. I've got tonight. <laughs> there you go. And that's when. They notice the unmistakable sound of a helicopter. Beast has got more frost on his face. I guess I just like the frost detail on his beard. He's got a snow beard. He (laughs) promptly drops Gene and screams, Hey, you guys! (laughs) We're over here! The other thing is he loses all of the snow that was on his fur. Like, he was all drenched in snow and... As soon as he jumps up in the air, he's blue again. This has got to be a coloring issue. The the snow falls off, and you can see some of it's around him. Yeah. It's not entirely accurate of what would happen, but, you know. I don't know. In the third panel, he's, the idea. he's got like a beard going on, and I think it's supposed to be more frost, but it's all colored blue. So it looks like he's just got like this mutated chin. Oh. Well, anyways... He's not able to signal the helicopter because obviously it's snowing, and why would a helicopter expect a couple of people to be on the ground? So that's when he slaps Jean to make her make a starburst. No, he doesn't slap her. He doesn't slap her. (laughs) That's a strictly Wolverine move. Okay. He does say, come on, Jean, wakey, wakey. Breakfast is ready. Eggs and bakey. And she's like, bacon? I love bacon. And then she whips up a solar flare. Actually, she shoots the ground and goes, Scott! And makes the Phoenix burn. Krakow's in this issue? He is. Or Krakoa. (laughs) Continuing to get names incorrect. Gene, I asked for a Starburst, not the 4th of July. I don't have Starburst. I only have Jolly Rancher. (laughs) Well, Gene is all upset, and she's uh, basically reacting to the last thing she remembers, which was the rest of the X-Men being buried by Volcano, if you can recall so she's just shooting stuff to try to get scott and the rest of the x-men 
The X-Men are trapped, Beast. They're buried alive in Magneto's complex. We've got to dig them out. And that's when Beast starts singing. She was cold as ice. <laughs> There's a lot of song lyrics in this issue. Uh, and then that's when the helicopter pilot notices the Phoenix bird and uh, they come down and pick her up, I guess. That's what happens. Before that, though, Beast is like, listen, there's no use in even trying or thinking about the rest of the X-Men. They've never survived greater odds. They're dead. <laughs> yeah, he is kind of a defeatist here. <laughs> I've not seen any bodies or blood or, you know, we haven't done any psychic probes of the area, but let's just face facts. They're dead. There's no way anyone else could have survived. And I'm cold. <laughs> let's just get on that helicopter. That's really what he's saying is like, you know, the X-Men probably are alive, but ugh, I'm cold. <laughs> Scott and the X-Men are dead, Gene. They're dead. That's all there is to it. Well, meanwhile, some time passes, as denoted by the dialogue box here. And some rocks fall, and then a big metal fist punches through a mountain, and it's the X-Men! With a mighty pow! It's the Ghost X-Men! <laughs> Here we are, Ghost X-Men! Ghost Nightcrawler, teleport over there! Okay, Ghost Banshee. Then it turns out that they're in the land of the lost. There's Marshall, Will, and Holly, and some Slee Stacks. Oh, wait, no. Wow. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, Land of the Lost? I, I know about, I know what land, I've never seen Land of the Lost. Really? I know what it is. Jeez, man. It's a TV show, right? Google like a Slee Stack. It's, you'll instantly like, oh, I know what that is. Remade into a Will's uh, Ferrell movie? Yeah, which was terrible. And Did it have Slee Stacks? I don't know. Probably. I only got halfway through it before I because this is bad. Actually, no, I didn't watch that. I watched Journey to the Center of the Earth with uh, Brendan Fraser. That I couldn't get halfway through. No. So I've never watched the Will Ferrell Land of the Lost. I bet it's hilarious. Uh, maybe. Well, anyways, uh, the X-Men were not on a routine expedition. Well, all these Land of the Lost jokes are wrecked on you, so I'm just going to stop. <laughs> They're in the Savage Land. I'm sure land. somebody out there gets them. <laughs> yeah, but you don't, so you're just going to like keep talking over them. Like, no, 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 Adam, that's funny. Trust me. Uh, okay, let me know when you're done with the whole Land of the Lost thing. Are they on a three-hour tour? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, anyhow... Look, it's the millionaire. <laughs> and his wife and the movie star and Marianne. Yeah. And it's not the love boat either. So for Fantasy Island. Okay, let's move on. Uh, they're in the land. They're in the Savage Land. <laughs> yes, because as we know, the Savage Land is near Antarctica where Magneto took them. We should have seen this coming, really. Yeah, it was really telegraphed a couple issues ago. As ex-fans, we should have been like, oh, they're in Antarctica. Clearly the Savage Land is about to show up. Yep. I'm surprised they didn't try to work Tierra del Fuego in there somehow. Banshee is wondering, Scott, if this is Antarctica. And Wolverine's like, I know what you mean. How come we ain't freezing? And that's when Cyclops steps in and says, oh, this is Antarctica. All right, people. A part of it I never thought I'd see again. I don't know why he didn't think he would see it again. <laughs> You think that's how Cyclops talks at him? I think you make Cyclops sound too tough. I make he's he's been bulking up, haven't you noticed? Yeah, but I think he would still talk as nerdy as he did in the old days. He just has a little bit of roid in him. 
I don't know. I think he. I think he's all beefy now. Okay. But you can continue to talk of him as the geeky guy. We'll just go back and forth. I don't remember what the geeky Cyclops voice was, to be quite honest. So I don't know. <laughs> but he welcomes the X Men to the Savage Land. Just use a variation on the Wolverine nineteen-year-old voice. Oh, X Men. Nope, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> We should also note that uh, Aurora has suffered this whole time uh, very well. Uh, she's she's managed quite well with a severe case of claustrophobia, but uh, she's doing pretty good. I wanted to point this out. So this is what I was going to tell you before the podcast started. I read this issue like a week ago, so my memory's a little fa- uh, hazy on some of the details in here, so I might be going to you for some of the details. But one thing I do remember is they, they do talk about, like, uh, the whole claustrophobia thing, and in the third, or I'm sorry, the fifth panel of this page, every single X-Man is like, Aurora, let me help you. Storm, let me help you. Gently, gently, you've been through a lot. No need to push you. Maureen's like, hey guys, let me help, but he doesn't say anything. <laughs> He's just thinking that to himself, it seems like. It's just, there's an awful lot of attention paid to getting Storm out of this hole. Well, it's it's the whole claustrophobia issue. Yeah, but it just seems like uh, aggressively. Uh, it's it, overkill. For yeah, sure. overkill. So, anyhow, so we get a big splash screen of the Savage Land, the uh, lakes, and some pterodons. It looks like some giant pteranodons. I want to just point out that they're all looking at the giant pteranodons. They see the giant pteranodons. Oh, okay, sure, good point. Uh, I guess it doesn't click with them, right? They see it, but maybe they just don't believe it, as we might find out here in a moment. Boy, they're awfully large. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what they don't believe. They're like, yeah, that's not, I'm not seeing that for real. Nobody else sees that. Do you see that, Tyrannida? No, I don't see that. <laughs> so, again, it's Savage Line, which confuses me. So they get out there, and uh, they continue on with this whole, oh, Storm's been so twitchy being in that tunnel for more than a mile. I, she's, she's not herself. But then... Banshee says, we've we've got open sky above us. What do you say we do a bit of flying? Well, because he knows that that's going to make her feel better. Yeah, but where is the savage land? Like, if it's under Antarctica, then there's no open air. You do this every time. It well, is an anomaly. It bugs me. Like, there has to be some sort of logical explanation as to why there's sky. If you go far enough up, <laughs> you'll hit a ceiling. But it's way, way up there. Well, I wish somebody would just come out and say, like, the ice creates this tropical effect in this blue incandescent light, which appears to be sky. Well, what is Land of the Lost? Uh, That's like they go into, like, a different dimension or back in time or something. That's not under anything. This is a different dimension back in time. (laughs) Okay, I'm good with that. Anyways, that's when uh, Banshee is surprised by a pteranodon. Holy mother of God! Which, as you pointed out, we saw three uh, of them prior. Well, the the part that bothers me is when Cyclops thinks to himself, Blast! I should never have let them fly off. Kazar warned me about this giant pterosaurs, but I never dreamed they'd be so big. <laughs> Except for the three that I just saw. <laughs> okay, so they're not pteranodons, they're pterosaurs. Well, it's all the same. Yeah, to me they are. Oh my god, it's trying to get Storm. And I haven't got a clear shot. Yeah. 
And Storm is, uh, she's reeling after all that she's been through. She's barely got enough strength to fight. She's worried about the thing killing Banshee, so she's got to do something. She doesn't know what to do. And that's when the Colossus and Wolverine are down on the ground, and they're saying, May, uh, I hope, da, yeah, I hope there is some way we can help. And Wolverine says, there is, Colossus. Just mix me up a fastball special. I'm going to go get drunk. Mm-hmm. And Wolverine loses his lower legs as Colossus tosses him into the air. What do you think a fastball special would be? As far as a drink goes? Yeah, so it's what what liquor other than, like, Moosehead is Canada known for? <laughs> or, <laughs> I'm uh... Canadian, maybe it's Russian. Eh, okay, so vodka, but what's, like, a Canadian booze? I don't think there is one. Maple syrup? It's like a white Russian with... Canadian booze. <laughs> Which we don't know. How about we go with uh, it's a white Russian with maple liqueur. Yeah. There you go. That's that. There you go, folks. Mix yourself up a fastball special. Well, what is a white Russian? Well, a white Russian is Kahlua is in there. Yeah, there you go. Kahlua. I'm going to look this up because I'll bet you there is a fastball special drink that somebody's already designed. White Russian is made with vodka, coffee liqueur, and cream. The coffee liqueur is the Kahlua. I don't think that there's a fastball special drink. I think we can literally design this drink right now. That's what we're doing. I know, but like... It's vodka, milk, and maple syrup. No. It's maple no? liqueur. There's a there's something called maple liqueur. Really? That exists? It does. It's, All right, fair enough. There you go. Uh, we could actually name it. We could say, oh, it's not a fastball special unless you use Sorlitage maple liqueur. That's the only maple liqueur you use. Otherwise, it's just, ugh. Is that a real maple liqueur? Uh, cabin fever, that's even easier to say. Hey, Canadian fans, if we still have any after <laughs> we butchered all the Canadians, um, send us send us a bottle of this, this uh, liqueur. Well, I don't know that it's necessarily from um, Canada. Like this sapling Vermont maple liqueur is from Scotland, which doesn't make any sense. Oh, well, we got to get a legit <laughs> Canadian liqueur. Okay. Well, just the maple thing. I can't think of any other booze that's got ma maple in it. So I think we can just use maple syrup. It <laughs> eh, seems a little pricey. All right. We'll work on that. But a white Russian with maple something. I'm going with maple liqueur. Like just a splash probably. But I think like the maple liqueur would really go good with a white Russian because it would just it would probably make it taste like cinnamon toast crunch or something. So bas basically, a fastball special is rum chata. <laughs> it's a great idea. <laughs> All right, folks, we'll post that recipe online. But anyways, let's get back to this episode. We probably won't post that recipe online, <laughs> but we will accept photos. Send us photos of your versions of a fastball special and with the uh, recipes. Ah, oh, there you Preferably go. The recipe that we just laid out, but. If you come up with your own, that's fine, too. Post them on Facebook. Do it. <laughs> Do it now. Well, anyways, Wolverine, he goes flying up towards the pterosaur, and he starts slicing away at the pterosaur's, I don't know, his eye, essentially. Cyclops says, Wolverine, what are you doing? What comes naturally, boss? Any objections? Didn't think so. Track. And uh, the pterosaur loses its grip on Banshee. Wolverine is slicing and dicing and cutting. And he's like, 
It's been a long time since I've been able to cut loose like this, and I intend to make the most of it. So, he is savagely destroying this pterosaur. And it does a crash landing with Wolverine on top of it, and the rest of the X-Men go running through the jungle in order to find Wolverine and the pterosaur, and presumably Banshee and Storm. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody spots them in the woods. It's a uh, it's somebody who clearly is able to shave because he only has stubble. <laughs> By all that's holy, it can't be. But it is Cyclops. Even though he's changed his costume and his voice slightly, I'd know that voice anywhere. <laughs> I would argue that Cyclops' costume has not changed that dramatically. That's true. It's blue with yellow. And he's got a visor, so it's like, eh, maybe these are his Wednesday togs. But, uh, yes, yeah, so this guy, whoever he is, he assumes that, well, if he's here, perhaps these people with him are X-Men. Or maybe he joined the Avengers. No, yeah, that could be. And there they found, uh, act, or they finally catch up to Wolverine, who is sitting on top of what we can only assume is a dead pterosaur. Glad to see you in still in one piece, Wolverine. Mein Gott, from the looks of things, this beast never had a chance. Nope. <laughs> no group. I think I'm going to like this place. <laughs> and that's when Cyclops decided that he's he needs to admonish Wolverine for not following his orders, of which he gave none. Right. And uh, Wolverine says... Shut up. And Banshee points out that, Cyclops, we're tired We're tired and hungry and hurt. This is no time to be yelling at the shrimp because you don't like the way he saved me life. Ooh, bam. Ooh, that, was a, that was a zinger right there. Snap. That's got a smart, Cyclops. You just got dissed by Banshee. Oh, yeah. And Banshee points out that they, uh, he and Storm saw a village about 20 miles south. What? <laughs> That sounds like a hell of a walk. Yeah, how long does it take you to walk 20 miles? <laughs> uh, um, I could only say maybe, let me think about this, 150 minutes. So two and a half hours. Okay, well, that's not bad. Yeah, I guess not. I'm thinking it takes me about 15 minutes to walk two miles, so multiply that by 10. And these guys are like athletic, so it takes them maybe, maybe take them an hour and a half. Well, yeah, yeah, they could shit. Well, yeah, 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 sure. Solid one forty-five. Some of them can fly. Yeah, yeah, and 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 Nightcrawler could take turns like teleporting them up, like you know, twenty feet. <laughs> well, he can do that like once. No, oh, then he passes <laughs> before up. he's like, oh man, <laughs> I am so tired. Somebody's gonna carry me. Well, whoever this mystery man is, uh, he is. Uh, he can sense their power. Number one, and they are number two, precisely what he needs. So he continues to trail them. Hmm, who could this mystery man be? I've got no idea. We'll find out later, because we have to switch our attention to more than half a world away and a Quinjet that is descending upon a mansion in Westchester, New York. And it is a week later from the scene that we just saw. Yep. Jean Grey's put on some nice clothes. Beast is wearing a shirt for some reason. <laughs> and, and jeans. Why? <laughs> I don't know. He got tired of running around in underwear. And they get to Since meet when <laughs> I don't know. And they get to meet Lilandra, or Lilandra gets to meet Beast, one of the two. So this is the famous Princess Lilandra. Hi, I'm Hank Bagoy. 
I'm pleased to meet you. Can we have a moment? Wait, Jean, I'll come with you. No, let her go. So Jean is going to break the bad news to the professor. The news? Is it bad? Yeah. Come on, princess. Let's go for a walk. Hey, she is a princess, so he can say that. Totally. Without it being like a cocky Han Solo thing. Well, she was a princess, too. <laughs> Never mind. Adam, it just works in both contexts. It totally does. So Gene enters the room. There's a lot of dialogue. The professor's writing his memoir or something. And, uh, her face is calm, her hand steady, only her eyes betray her. And all she says is, Professor? No. Charles? No. No, she says, Professor? <laughs> Charles? And that's how he knows. <laughs> and I guess she's had a week to get over it, so she's not thinking it's that big a deal. Yeah. Just the man of my life is dead. No big whoop. <laughs> that same morning in the Savage Land. I guess it's been a week for these folks as well. They're all, all their clothes. I don't, what happened to Banshee's clothes? His costume was fully intact and now he's wearing like a leather loincloth. It's hot out. And like <laughs> animal teeth. And and somehow he found a corncob pipe. You know, to be, to be honest, I thought it was Kesar at first. I did too. It took me a couple <laughs> of reasons. Like, That's not Kesar. He's not even in this issue. So... Somehow, Banshee, like, lost all of his clothes, but was able to come across a corncob pipe. Two button eyes <laughs> made out of coal. These are the Mohawk people. These are All these men and women have Mohawks. In my tongue, Baroque, this is called Ein Schweif, a tail. Ein Schweif. But what does that mean, Jeremy? Oh, it means a, a ramble. A what? A ramble. It means... Yeah, and what what is a tail in German actually sound like? Ein Schwanz. I don't know what the deal with this translation is, but Google says it's wrong. So if we have any German listeners out there, what is it? Is it Ein Schweif or Ein Schwanz? I don't know. Like I've always equated Ein Schwanz with the the other tail. If you catch my drift. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we'll trust Google on this one. That's Ein Schnitzel. <laughs> oh, okay. So apparently Nightcrawler does not know German. <laughs> yeah, I forgot it all. Cyclops is also his he's lost his costume. He's got uh I don't know, like a bandage around his chest for some reason. Did he get hurt? Uh yes. Okay. I don't I don't know. <laughs> and he's wearing a headband. It's to carry his visor in case he ever needs it. Oh, okay. Because he's wearing his sunglasses. So, man, these X-Men came super prepared. Yeah, he brought his sunglasses along. Mm -hmm. Or maybe he forged his goggles into sunglasses. Could be. Banshee's a little um, weirded out because he's 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 up, he's wondering why Cyclops isn't more broken up about the fact that Gene is dead. A valid concern. And we should point out that the X-Men do think that Gene and Beast are dead. That's that's right. Morning, boss. What's the drill for today? More of the same. Rest and relaxation. Enjoy it while you can. We'll be pulling out soon. That's what he said. Wait. <laughs> uh, I'll pass the word. Hi, Tata. I'll pass the word. So they're basically vacationing, I guess, maybe building up their strength so that they can return home. 
I don't know what they're doing. Uh, well, Banshee gets a glimpse of Storm, who has also lost her costume, but is wearing some sexy leather loincloth and booby covers. Not only that, but she has one leg standing in some sort of demure position. It's it's a really ridiculous pose, but she does look very good. Oh, yeah. John Berman draws a very attractive storm. And I'm wondering, is it like the lack of pupils that makes this so interesting? Oh, I, I don't know. But I hate the one leg up. It's like, just like, hey, I'm just standing with one leg on the drum. La, la, la. That's kind of what doesn't make sense is that that one leg is resting on top of a drum. Like, why is that happening? This place reminds me of my home in Africa. I'd almost <laughs> forgotten how much I missed it. La, la, la. Yes. Chief Tonga's wife gave me these robes. Do you like them? Aurora, love, do you have to ask? Okay, so the chief's wife wears ripped-up robes, huh? Yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> Why not? No, they were, like, leftover. <laughs> the chief's wife's robes are actually really nice. So Storm and Banshee split up. I'll see you a bit later, lass. I've got some errands to run for Scott, except that he said... There was nothing but rest and relaxation, so I'm <laughs> lying to you, lass. <laughs> I'm just telling you something because I'm actually feeling a little awkward and have nothing else to say to you right now. I've got to go fix a minor problem in my jockey. I have to fix my schwantz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Storm will be sad to leave the space. Uh, she misses Jean. Jean's her friend. Cyclops starts thinking to himself, well, this is a weird cut because, like, if you just go, her, uh, Storm's thoughts bleed directly into Cyclops' thoughts. But but they don't. But they don't. Yeah. He's thinking about what a failure he is. Gene and Hank died. Everybody depended on him. But really, the X-Men actually did pretty well. So really, was there anything he could do? How is he going to tell the professor? His heart's going to break. But he's surprised his own heart hasn't breaking, broken. Breaking? Breaking. And shaving. He says uh, he wasn't sure about the beard, so maybe he'll just try a mustache. Huh, water's clearing. You know, I don't look half bad. Kind of piratical. Piratical? That's piratical. Almost like... <laughs> Almost like Corsair. Which he says instead of thinks. Yeah. <laughs> so he just blurts that out. As As people sometimes do. It didn't register at the time, but... He spoke English. They all spoke English. <laughs> With a Nebraska twang and using American slang. He'd never seen me. How'd he know my real name? That's right. I remember being in the Crystal of Nightmares. I thought I was dreaming, but Corsair was holding me, calling me Scott. I don't remember that at all, but I, I do. But, I mean, Scott was passed out, I, I thought. But look at this picture of Cyclops as his neck whips up. Like, look at the contrast between his head and his neck it looks like his head again is sliding off of his body as he looks like an animal it looks very unnatural here i don't know maybe a turtle <laughs> i'm not sure but it, it, yeah it's not a way a body moves but i don't know what the what's the uh significance of nebraska uh i guess he's from nebraska himself this is the first time we get a little glimpse of what it was like before he met... Remember that guy, the hobo? Yeah, what was his name? I don't remember. Uh, uh, Diamond Jack. 
Diamond Jack. Jack of Diamonds. Jack of Diamonds, that was his name. Well, apparently he remembers uh, Corsair was somewhere, and he was falling with his brother, Alex, in his arms, and there was flames above him. But everything was happening so fast that he couldn't really process the, the thoughts. But there was also a woman with Corsair who pushed them out of the uh, plane's escape hatch. Well, it's his mom. Yeah, well, right. It, it says right there, as she shoves her children out a plane's escape hatch. So this is uh, this this imagery will be used over and over and over again of Cyclops hurtling headlong down, holding Alex with just the one parachute. All his life, Scott's wondered about the gray nothingness that was his childhood. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so, question then. Is this memory rushing back to him as he's reminded of Corsair, or has he always known this? I don't know. Something about shaving and looking in the water and speaking with about Corsair, saying his name out loud. Yeah, I mean, I guess, it, right. It's all designed to be like, wait, Corsair, Nebraska, my father. That could be him. Maybe it's because they're relaxing... I don't know. I'm just wondering if, like, the whole time we were reading the X-Men, the, the old classic X-Men, like, was this memory always there? Or is this, like, being unlocked in his mind, like a repressed memory? I guess you don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, how could I? <laughs> I want you to speculate. Yes, because it happened that it's a repressed memory. Um, as for why he didn't remember it when he first bumped into Corsair... Who knows? But whatever. Okay. Well, he gets interrupted um, with a storm who says, Scott! And that's when he says, no, the memories, they're gone. So did he just forget everything? Apparently. <laughs> of course, there's my dad. Is, wow, what the? Huh. Suddenly the answers are within his grasp and then poof. What was I looking at? Hmm. <laughs> How do you like my mustache? <laughs> And did you ever realize that Cyclops had such a hairy chest? Um, I, I think we've seen that before. I feel like his shirt has come off in the past. Mm -hmm. It's a John Murren thing. Yeah. Okay. I just feel like in the original run of the X-Men, he was probably hairless. Yeah, probably. But he was younger then. Oh, 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 good point, good point. I thought, like, you might like to someone with whom to share your grief. I ain't got no grief. I don't understand. I don't either. I mourned for Hank, but for Gene, there's nothing. What a dick. <laughs> <laughs> After the shit of flight, nothing had changed between us, yet everything had. She wasn't the girl I loved anymore. Perhaps it was simply that she was no longer a girl, as you are no longer a boy. Oh. We have all changed, Scott. Hopefully we have all grown as well. If you wanted only to preserve the gene that was like a flying amber, perhaps what you felt for her wasn't love at all. Dis slam. Man. Cyclops is just getting handed his, his butt handed to him left and right. It has not been a good day for Cyclops. Well, I guess it's been a, a week, I suppose. Anyways. So she goes back. She feels bad that she was harsh on Scott. Yeah, she wasn't harsh. Little twerp deserved it. And that's when they run into Psych or Colossus, who's with a couple of Mohawked girls and Wolverine. Topless Mohawked girls. At least one of them is. I think they 
Yeah, one of them's got like a front dress that doesn't make any sense. But the other one's definitely topless. You're right. Tarvich, these ladies wish to show me their special island. Now, what do you think that means? They are like, look at this big man <laughs> with ripply muscles. No woman has ever asked me to to see her special <laughs> island. island. Uh, uh, you know, and... what's wrong with me? <laughs> yeah, well, psych. I mean, uh, Wolverine, who you would think would be like, oh yeah, Rusty, let's let's do this thing, is like, oh yeah. <laughs> He's not doing the Kool-Aid man this time. He's like, yeah, I'll just hang out in the sun and sew my costume. So he's going to like to do the most girly thing possible. <laughs> Get a suntan and sew his costume back together. But he does say, I mean, those were some fine looking frails. Or he thinks through this himself, but I got no use for company right now, babe. And then he pulls out that po- that picture. Yep. From, what was it? Firefly? <laughs> no, Firestorm, uh, Iron uh, Fist. Iron Fist. Iron Fist 14, if I'm not mistaken. Or 15. Baby, you were the first person I ever really cared for. And I never even told you my real name. It was James, but I don't know that yet. <laughs> I had plans for us, Genie. Now all I got is an ache inside that's killing me. Like someone cut out my heart. I'm sure that's happened, too, and he just regrew it. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um. Yeah, so there you go. But, but I mean, let, just to go back a little bit, I mean... Let's not gloss over the fact that Colossus is about to engage in a three-way with these two Mohawked girls. Because he's like, yeah, these girls want to show me their island. And Wolverine's like, don't do anything I wouldn't do. And Colossus is like, my friend, is there anything you wouldn't do? And Wolverine's like, nope. So it's like, all right. Yeah, but these girls are going to come on to Colossus and he's going to be all like, I don't understand. I have to run away now. <laughs> I don't know. This is there's the Colossus you don't know who's just like a sexaholic. <laughs> All right. Colossus has a thing for beast. Oh, that could be. Did you know that Colossus is gay in the Ultimate Universe? I did not know that. Well, there you go. I don't know that I've ever read a comic from the Ultimate Universe, so to me it doesn't exist. <laughs> Storm continues walking along. There's some fish jumping, I guess. She's going to do some swimming, which is weird that she's not going to do naked swimming. She's going to swim in her robes. That's true. That's very uncharacteristic. Right, we made such a big deal earlier about her naked swimming, and now she's like, nah, just swim in these clothes. The mysterious stranger behind her sees her and thinks to herself, that black woman, the life force within her is incredible. No, I mustn't, but I hunger. I take issue with the fourth panel on this page. Yeah, everything looks sideways. It's it's a, it's a, it's confusing. I feel like the shadow is very of this guy sneaking up on the storm is very. Oh, that's a shadow. Horrible. I thought it was just <laughs> like compressed grass or something. Like he was. That's like... what it, that's what I was gonna say. It looks like compressed grass. Yeah. It looks like just a, a big divot in the ground, but no, it's a, it's a shadow. Okay. It's a very poorly drawn shadow. Uh, shadow doesn't work because his. Oh, I see. His hands aren't. Okay, I thought his hands were on the ground and he was like scraping backward. No. But but I still okay. So I don't like the shadow. It's a top down picture. So we're looking down from the sky at Storm, who is laying in the water, half in, half out. But then she's sideways, so you're like, ah, what's happening? I'm falling, or she's falling. Somebody save her. 
Well, it's it's top down, so she's not sideways. I know that, but I mean, when your eye goes to it, you're like, what's happening here? Like, I don't know, a top down picture to me, she should be the other way. She should be vertical rather than horizontal. That doesn't bother me. The shadow bothers me. But still, the shadow kind of wrecks it as well. But anyways, uh, that's when this man comes and rips her head off. <laughs> Just she'd say she's very happy here in the uh, in the in the savage land. It, it reminds her a lot of her home mm-hmm. land of Africa. And she's going to be sad to leave, and then he comes and rips her head off. <laughs> Uh, I am sorry, Charles. I do not mean to cause you pain. Like, why are you ripping her head off then? Come on. She needs that. Right. And so, anyways, you covered this, but she want, he, this person, whoever it is, only wants a little bit of energy, but he cannot resist all of this beautiful, delicious energy. I think I might know who this is. Well, based on this little shadow here, it looks like a bird man. Whoa. But we won't find out now? for another page or so. The lightning bolt flies out of the earth with a mighty cow. And then there's a woman's scream and a man's scream and blazes. A lightning bolt erupting up from the ground. Storm! I want to point out that all of the X-Men kind of react and like, oh my god, we got to get to him or her, except for Colossus. Do you know why? Because <laughs> Colossus is knee-deep in women. Well, Banshee is hanging out with his Mohawk girl, too. Yeah, but he's still got a thing from Moira, so he's like, I really shouldn't be doing it. Oh, what was that scream? I'm going to go check that out. Uh, yeah, they're probably just chatting, maybe yeah. having a picnic. Right. Like, he's tempted, but... I saw Storm heading that way, and that big zap bolt is his trademark. Did you hear? Wolverine saw Aurora. And off they go. Banshee says she was swimming. If she let her guard down, she could have been ambushed. Ambush, boss? How about massacred? Freeze! All of you! No one makes a move until I say go. Duh, Cyclops, what is it? It is someone who should be dead. And oh my gosh, we turn the page, and it's a full-page spread of somebody, not just somebody, but a pteranodon. Grabbing Storm's hair. Dead mutant? I am evil incarnate. I cannot die. Behold, fools, the rebirth of Sauron! And he's standing above Storm as if he's killed her. And the X-Men look on. Next issue, Visions of Death. Well, uh, before we jump into the classic portion, we did get some communique. Uh, one of them came in the form of an iTunes review. Well, actually, two iTunes reviews, but uh, one of them's a five-star, and it says that their prayers were answered. They recently mentioned to a friend that they wish they could find a podcast centered around the X-Men, much like Kevin Smith's Fat Man on Batman. And he found that podcast, and it's the Danger Room. So somebody has likened us to Kevin Smith. How do you feel about that, Adam? I feel like someone should try to get us a mention on his show. Because <laughs> this is like the third mention for him on our show. 
Right. I think you have to pay for mentions on his show. They, they seem to have a little bit bigger of a, of a listener base. But uh, I, too, listen to uh, Fat Man on Batman. So uh, you're in good company. This came from Un Jakey. But a while ago, when they first launched their radio network, maybe it was $100 to get like a commercial, essentially. So we could have made ourselves a, a commercial. What was his name? Un Jakey? Yeah, U-N-E-J-A-K-E-Y. Un Jakey. And uh, I would, I have to say, I was going to be satisfied. We made it to 40. I was perfectly pleased with that, but somebody went and gave us 41, so now it's the climb to 45. And the 41st star review, or whatever you want to call it, I'm sorry, it's a three star? Yeah, what's up with that? Like, there's 45 stars and one three star. Why would you rate something... <laughs> At all. I mean, I could see a one star. If you hated the show and you wanted to let everybody know that you hated the show, you give it one star. I get that. But I don't really understand the value of giving something three stars. It doesn't help. It doesn't really hinder. I feel like if you're going to give a three star rating, you have to be like, you have to back it up and say, I'm giving this thing three stars. You want to know why? I like the X-Men, but these two guys are boring. Yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta give us a review. If you're if you're going below the five stars, we need a review so that we can either improve, or, or tell you how wrong you are. <laughs> yeah, uh... <laughs> Adam didn't want to say it, but I did. I was gonna say ignore, but oh. I felt that was wrong. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, did we get anything else? I know we got a we got a couple more likes, so our like counter was stuck at one twenty two, but now it's up to the one twenty three. So that's kind of nice. Uh, yeah, we're in two episodes. We're gonna read off all the names of all the new people that liked since last time we did this. And I have to tell you, if your privacy settings are set to hidden, I can't tell who you are. So if I skip you or we skip you, um, sorry, <laughs> you've got a week to lower your privacy settings so I can figure out who you are and then will include your name. I mean, you probably don't care. Yeah. So it's okay. I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. Well, you're just paranoid because you got your privacy settings set all that way. Yeah. I didn't just wait till the show comes out and then reset your privacy settings. If, if you want to be, if you want your name to be read on the show. I'm kidding. I'm paranoid too. My set, my stuff's all set to private as well. I'm sure mine is too. I don't want you creepy people knowing who I am. And and if your privacy setting is set that way, you probably don't want to be read on the air anyway. So <laughs> exactly. It all works out. But anyways, uh, did we get anything else on Facebook? Oh, uh, yeah. We got a letter from Wesley Hansen. Okay. Oh, yes. You, you may remember that he was going to Comic-Con. I do. Or Wizard World. He says, hey, Adam and Jeremy, Wizard World was so amazing. I got to meet the one and only Stan Lee. I'm jealous. He was so cool. He said that I was looking sharp. Yeah, his his Facebook profile picture is him and Stan Lee. That's true. That's pretty sweet. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I still can't believe that I got to meet the godfather of comics. I am sorry that I could not get him to say hi to you guys. His managers would not let people have any cell phones by him. You know what? I got to say that I just don't think he tried hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> I had him sign my Stan Lee card from the 1990 Marvel card set. I also got to meet Chris Claremont, and he signed my Wolverine four-part miniseries, Wolverine 1. Uncanny X-Men 109, blah, 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 Yeah, blah. a lot of issues. They had a panel for the X-Men 50th birthday, and it was awesome. Now I have Wolverine 1 through 135. Did they give those away at the panel? 
Yes. <laughs> wow, we really missed out. P.S. I love the podcast and I listen to it all the time. Right. Which is awesome. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, you know, you could have put a wire on yourself. You could have done any number of things and just got him to say, like, any combination of words that we could have edited into, I love Danger Room. Yeah, you could be like, Stan, do you like danger? Tell me about danger. Stan, have you ever been inside of a room? Tell me about that. Tell me about the room. Have you ever been in love? Now say the word I. Okay, thanks. Good job. <laughs> or you could have been like, um, Stan, did you invent the danger room for the X-Men? He'd be like, well, of course, spider friend, I did. And then you could be like, and would you say that you like the danger room? Well, of course I like the danger room. And boom, we'd have had it. <laughs> All right. Well, the next person who meets Stanley for the love of God, get us a clip. I think we're going to have to do it ourselves. Yeah, that's, that's I guess, when yeah, yeah, you're probably right. If we really want it, we need to make it happen ourselves. It's them's the, them's the breaks. All right. Well, uh, anything else? Uh, I don't think we got any other letters. I could be wrong. <laughs> well, and let's just jump right into the spoilerific crap zone. As uh, yeah, classic X Men number twenty. Spoilerific crap zone. <laughs> This uh, is a really bad Art Adams cover. It's uh, bad. And uh, this issue, while the other issue showed us, the original issue showed us the cover of Gene uh, and Beast walking the professor around, which really didn't happen in that issue. So it's kind of misleading because you're ex- expect basically you're expecting a story about. Uh, Gene and the Beast and, and the Professor, but instead you got a story of the rest of the X-Men and the Savage Land. And the Ghost X-Men. <laughs> the Ghost X-Men. So this one features the Ghost X-Men with Sauron, who, look, who has a loincloth and a gun strapped to his belt. And he looks kind of duck-like. I don't know You're what's going right. on with his face. Normally his beak is green just like the rest of his body, but here it's yellow. Not yellow, it's orange. It's like Donald Duck orange. It's pretty much the last panel of the issue, just from a different angle. Yeah. No, oh, I like it. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's good either. Well, look at Cyclops' head. It's stupid looking, and... Banshee does look a lot more like Kesar than ever before. Banshee's proportions as compared to Cyclops and then Colossus, like, everything's wrong with those proportions. Perspective-wise, it just, everything's wrong here. I don't like it. I like the the foliage that he drew, and Storm looks good, of course, and most of Sauron looks good, but the X-Men just look corny. Wolverine looks good. He's got big, fat upper legs. (laughs) I don't know. Anyways, we flip it open, and then we get uh, another little Art Adams thing inside with uh, Sauron flying with Ban... Or no, not Sauron. I guess this is just a pterosaur with uh, Banshee and Storm. This one's better. The inside front cover's always better. Joe Duffy, again, is writing the backup story, and uh, I remember it being a doozy, so I might fall asleep for that one. Uh, and Karen, a snoozy? <laughs> yeah, there you go. And Karen Dwyer, Kieran Dwyer is helping us out with pencils on the crap. Beginning on page six, where we see just how the X-Men survived... Um, using quick teamwork, 
they managed to blast a hole through and uh, through through the 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 rock, I guess, and mm-hmm. create a tunnel. Well, storm uh, kept the molten from reaching them. Wolverine is is very uncharacteristic in this in that he's just like, eh, we're all gonna die, whatever. <laughs> he's smoking a cigar. You don't even care. But they use his power. They're like, you're the hot shot tracker, pal. Think you can point us uh, south by southeast. So what this is trying to tell us, I think, is that Cyclops knows exactly where they are. Yep, that's the impression that I got. And what they're going to do is they're going to use their teamwork. And like we haven't in the in the normal continuity, we haven't established that Wolverine is a tracker or has a healing factor or anything that makes Wolverine Wolverine, other than his bones. Haven't we established that he's? I thought I thought we know that he has heightened senses. So. Heightened senses, we know, but we don't really know what that means. He's able to sense when something's not right, like the robot that the robot gene, like. We haven't established that it's because it smelled like a robot. It just was, oh, my senses are telling me this is all wrong. That's not been fully fleshed out. And we definitely don't know he's a tracker, but whatever. So Storm had some more claustrophobia uh, issues that she kind of overcomes and then falls down and gets, gets really tired. Well, she she also talks about, like, she's generating these lightning bolts inside of this cave and she says it's hard to do in such a small spot but she's shooting those lightning bolts out of her hands and i thought again that she had like weather control well yes she has weather control and the ability to shoot lightning out of her hands as we've seen many times (laughs) yeah okay but i don't think like the official marvel handbook or the official handbook of the marvel universe recognizes that power well, it should. <laughs> All right. It's canon. Yeah, yeah. It, it has happened. Uh, Wolverine goes deaf. Oh, right, yeah. Banshee is screaming in order, like, he takes over for Cyclops to dig more through the uh, through the tunnels, dig more tunnels through the rock. And Wolverine, for some reason, needs to stand in front of him and goes deaf. Wolverine's eardrums are both ruptured. He is deaf and will remain so unless his healing power can repair the damage. Reminder, he's got a healing factor. Even though we don't know that. And now Wolverine and Cyclops are punching and slicing the rock wall. Which seems like it would take a really long time. Uh, Next flashback is on page 12 where Beast and Marvel Girl... Phoenix are at an Antarctica research base and Beast calls Captain America and apologizes for stealing the Quinjet. Captain America says, I understand. I hope everything worked all right. Phoenix passes out for some reason. Yeah, she's been meditating. She's been scanning the area now for the X-Men. She can't find a trace of them. Magneto's done something to the Earth's magnetic field to inhibit long-range telepathic projections. I can't mind link with Professor Xavier. And I think that that is actually canon. Like, I think at some point he did or does do that. I just don't think we've seen it. But, yeah. So, in canon, it's referenced elsewhere, but this, I think they're trying to preempt the reference of that. Anyways, it's stupid. It just means that Jean can't use her powers over long distances. For some reason, Storm's rags are now pink instead of yellow. Yeah, they are. 
That's dumb. Random. <laughs> Just random changes. Well, maybe they thought, like, yellow's a dumb color for the chief's wife. Let's make it pink. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of the issue. I mean, that's whatever. That's the end of that issue. Now, this backup story called Mother of the Bride, uh, John Bolton, of course, written by Joe Duffy. I have no clue what the hell is going on in this story. All right. Uh, let me summarize the story really quickly. Because <laughs> I think that's all we need to do because it is so weird. And I don't under, I don't understand anything that's going on here. So go. <laughs> Storm is vacationing between missions and she uncovers a, uh, a secret that this huge company, what is it called? Uh, tree House or something. Uh, tree, Twelve Trees. Uh, they're building some sort of ZK-23 or YK-23, a special uh, material that is strong as steel, cheaper than either, cheaper than, uh, light as plastic, strong as steel, cheaper than either. But it turns out that the process for making this stuff creates zombies out of people. Yeah. And Storm uncovers this plot... She gets attacked by zombies, has some bad nightmares where she's about to marry the Johnny 12 Trees, the owner of the 12 Trees Foundation. I don't know what it, it has something to do with her mother. She starts thinking about her mom, the X-Men are there, but she gets attacked by zombies. X-23 is tomorrow at whatever the cost. It is my fortune. I won't let you stand in my way. Kill her, kill her, kill her. The zombies attack. And she doesn't know whether or not she can kill them. And the lightning naturally, uh, Mother Nature kills all the zombies by striking them with lightning. Those who embrace nature are in turn embraced by her. Those who turn their backs on her are abandoned. And if any of them has survived, let them look to the laws of their own flawed and greedy species and see what mercy they may find. What the hell is this story doing in here? I don't know. Every other story, except, I guess, the other Storm story about the writer, did something to, like, expand upon the background of an X character or Magneto or show us, like, what was happening between the panels and stuff. But this is, like, this doesn't fit anywhere. This is just a. This is just a. These are the days of Storm's life. I. I don't. It's a slice of Storm's life. It's horrible, though. It's. It's just horrible. I'm. I'm. This is just terrible. It's terrible. Okay. <laughs> Do you not agree? I mean, like. I didn't think it was good or bad. I. It was. I don't know. I just. I guess I just didn't care. Okay. Well, I guess I just look at my X Men stories to relate to what the x-men do and and not storm's vacation trip with the zombie i, I don't know just, just... at first i was hoping that it would have something to do with like uh dracula and storm's relationship with dracula right because that that'll be a thing at some point it's not yet but, but it will be but no and that i could have gotten behind if it was like a whole dracula thing is like and at the end of, you see dracula you'd be like oh okay this is kind of cool but 
like the guy that she's getting married to in the dream sequence, like that's nobody. Like you never see him again. It doesn't set anything up. It doesn't answer. Well, anything. He, he's the guy that he's Johnny Twelve Trees. I don't know that that guy comes back though. Maybe no, no, you see him later in the story. You don't ever see him again. Well, but... that's what I mean. Like an X Men continuity. Like this isn't the first appearance of Johnny Twelve Trees. Where you're like, oh, that's where he came from. It's just like, oh, okay, well. Here comes a guy, and there he goes. Yeah, it's just like a random story that features Storm. It's not not a particularly good one. I don't like it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let's move on. We've got actually we've got uh, more to cover. And Adam, you got to tell me why we're covering these next three issues. You know, we're trying to we're trying to catch up with all the issues that happened around or featured the X Men. And this one, Marvel Team Up Annual Number One. Uh, features is is a story about Spider-Man and the X-Men, and it features all the X-Men, and it's it's in you know it's it takes place shortly after the whole Phoenix thing, uh, after she bursts out of the water. 1976 is when this particular one takes place. So as I was reading, I was like, hmm, probably sure that this isn't taking place in uh, the current continuity that we're in, but there's something that kind of ties it all together in the issue that I was like, oh, okay, I know where this takes place. Because uh, I didn't read the date byline, which probably would have instantly told me. But yeah, so on the cover of the issue, you do get uh, Colossus, Storm, Cyclops, Nightcrawler, and Wolverine all fighting a giant dumb-looking robot with Spider-Man. Banshee gets short shrifted once again. Ugh. You open up the book and you get kind of like a uh, giant sized X Men number one type splash panel of the X Men running towards us with Spider Man in the lead. It's actually a Cockrum cover. The cover is by Dave Cockrum, yep. And the story, I believe, is uh, it's Bill Mantlow writing, but it's from a plot by Bill Mantlow, Chris Claremont, and Bonnie Wilford. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, Sal Busima and Mike Esposito are drawing, and we don't care about the rest of the people. This one's called The Lord of Lights and Darkness. Right, a bit of a to long... gonna skip ahead. Yeah, that's fine. To where the um, where the X Men come into play, and then we'll, we'll, we'll kind of we'll kind of backtrack because we we don't really need all that setup. Give you like the condensed setup here. There's a bunch of people in a thing called the nest, and uh, something happens, and it looks like they explode. And then we meet the X Men. They're on a plane uh, with one Peter Parker. Yep, and a senator. It looks like. And I'm not entirely sure why they're on this plane. What is? What? Why are they? I guess they're going to explore some sort of radio, radio, uh, radiation mutant conference. They're all headed towards. Yeah, something about mutation, which is why the X Men and the Professor are there because Reed Richards had tickets to this thing, but Reed Richards at the last minute couldn't make it to the conference and knew that the Professor had an interest in mutation, so. Rather than sending just Reed Richards, they decided to send the professor and seven other teenagers, <laughs> <laughs> which makes perfect sense. And I got to say, the professor is wearing an ascot, <laughs> and uh, Cyclops has got a turtleneck on. This is like old school Cyclops. It is. He's not quite as beefy as he as he was. Nightcrawler's there, but he's got his image inducer on, so he's looking like that movie star guy. Colossus looks like a mafia thug. <laughs> totally. So does uh so does Banshee though. He looks like a he's in the Irish mob there. Yeah. 
Uh, you want to throw dice there, laddie. Wolverine uh, starts up some trouble. Well, the senator's upset. The senator, because he's a jerk. Yeah. And you got to look at look at Wolverine's hair on the second to last panel. It's like... It's pretty intense. It actually kind of looks like Lil Andra's head. It's 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 like a Batman. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Yeah. He's wearing a Batman cloak. A cowl. Batman cowl. He's like, Bub, you know what I discovered? Batman. Batman's awesome. That's why I wear this bat head dress. This isn't my hair. Yeah. Well, the the Cyclops breaks up the little fight thing. And uh, in good timing, because the airplane that they're all flying in flies into blackness, and the plane goes crazy. Jeremy, wait, there's a funny line. Oh. Cyclops stops Wolverine from fighting the guy and says, Let him go, Wolf. Er, let him go now. Oh, I forgot about that. He doesn't know his name. He doesn't. Well, even this, so this takes place uh, right after Phoenix is born, and we know that nobody knows his name at that point. But even in issue 114 that we just read, or what was that, 112, 114, whatever it was, uh, they still don't know what his name is. Only the leprechauns know what his name is. (laughs) (laughs) And isn't that weird? Like, that's just what I'm talking about. They're literally all sitting around the breakfast table eating their Cheerios, and they're like, Kurt... What did you, what do you do you like Monopoly? Because <laughs> we could play Monopoly later. What about you, Pete? And then they look at Wolverine and they're like, "And you, Wolverine? Would <laughs> do you like Monopoly? No, bub. That's the Wolverine, bub. And isn't somebody like, okay, look, I'm Cyclops. That's Peter. There's Jean. Wait, what? Cyclops is Cyclops all of a sudden? Or I'm Scott. Whoops. <laughs> like, wouldn't he be like, what's your name? Do you have a name? Can we call you something or? Like, the professor's got to be writing paychecks out to all these people. What does he write on the check? Well, the professor's got to know his name because he's always doing mind probes. Yeah, yeah. Well, not really, as I think we'll learn in this very issue when it comes to Peter Parker and Spider-Man's identity. That's true. Yeah. But anyway, so the plane's crashing. And as the plane's crashing, Wolverine's like, Well, I let the senator go, leader man. Satisfied? Scott, what's happening? Yeah, so the plane's shaking up. Um, the uh, stewardess, I guess, is uh, noticing that outside of the mountain. It looks like there's guided missiles heading towards the airplane. Oh, that is a stewardess. I thought it was Jean with miscolored hair. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm... Well, it might. No, no, it's a no, stewardess. No, you're right, because she's wearing a, like a, she's got a V-neck. She's got like a collar on, whereas Jean doesn't. Yeah, And Peter Parker jumps into the scene now, and he's like, they're not missiles. I recognize them. They were invented by the Swedish scientist Marshall. They're racks. Oh, yeah, racks. Which is uh, short for, it says it earlier here, something that's like minions of hell or something. And if you play Borderlands, you would recognize racks as the birds that fly all around and shoot at you. But they're robots here. Rack Shashas. There you go. That's uh, and they're the demon guardians of hell in Hindu mythology. There you go. That that might play into this issue as they come. No one asks how they survived the Holocaust of thermonuclear meltdown because no one aboard the plane is aware that such a Holocaust had ever taken place. So the people we talked about earlier in the issue had gone through. Like, there's this guy who's talking like a detective. Like, it's a bad day. Went to the nest. The nest is full of robots. I don't like the robots. I could have explained my name to them, but they still needed to see my ID. 
all that sort of crap. Uh, they all died. Uh, the thing blew up. So, and then the racks are mysteriously still alive. And attacking the ship. My eyes burning. I can't see. Blinding the pilots. Uh, um, the professor opens his mouth as wide as he possibly can. <laughs> to Scott s- Peter. <laughs> Only you two are close enough. <laughs> and for some reason, even though Colossus has never said this in the X-Men, he uses the word da. Da, Professor. Da, Professor. I'm going to use this many times in the future, but not yet. Yes, I'm going to say da a lot. Uh, and so Peter Parker is like, well, I recognize Xavier, so the rest of those must be X-Men. Hello, you met them when you were infected by the Morbius disease. So, yes, they're X-Men. You kissed one of them, for God's sakes. Gene. But anyways, he ducks off into the bathroom to change it. Well, right, right, right. But they're in plain clothes. Yeah, but I mean, there was a red-headed girl in a costume, and now there's a red-headed girl with the (laughs) professor. I don't know. There's, yeah, well, anyways. um, There's a cranky short man who looks kind of like the cranky short man with the claws. Well, they even reference Pete's met the X-Men before. Marvel team up number four. Is that the Morbius issue? I think so. I don't remember. But anyways, uh, well, actually, the Morbius issue would have been before these new X-Men. But it, uh, regardless, he's met he's met them before. Uh, and so he, he decides to slip into the bathroom to change into Spider-Man because nobody would possibly connect Peter Parker to Spider-Man in this scenario. Yeah, which makes me wonder, like, all this stuff <laughs> that... Like, Peter Parker just... Spider-Man just always shows up where... Peter Parker is or your Spider-Man. Okay, well, like when you're in Manhattan and that happens, fine. You can chalk it up to be like, look, I, I got, I, I hid in the broom closet and you saw Spider-Man. That's amazing. But when you're flying over the desert. All right. Once you get outside of New York, it's just like. You can't be Spider-Man anymore. You're right. <laughs> but anyways, he, he dresses up as Spider-Man. The senator almost catches him, but Spider-Man jumps and hangs off the ceiling. Uh, meanwhile, and, uh, the senator gets sick. Yep, he's got he's he's got uh, air sickness. Uh, the professor, I'm sorry, uh, Cyclops and Colossus run up uh, to the pilot seat to try to fly the plane because the pilots are out of commission, and we get the return of Cyclops's little magic flippy glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he's got the little glasses that flip up. He's not even touching them, so somehow he's got some sort of mechanical device somewhere that lifts up the ruby quartz part so that he can shoot cool yeah the racks break into the ship and spider-man kicks one of them and then uses his webbing to seal the area of the ship that was broken into so that the uh but i want to point something out on the last page before spider-man kicks the rack you see storm with her headdress on and she's got all black, so she's either in the shadows or she's in her storm costume. But on the next page, when Banshee and Storm jump out of the airplane, they're in their plane clothes with no headdress. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and then in the next page, now they're, they've discarded their clothing and they're in their costumes. That's a mistake. Like, who who's editing this issue and let that pass? Archie Goodwin, we're looking at you, buddy. <laughs> That's why he's no longer editor in chief. <laughs> he just didn't care anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, I saw the mistake. I didn't care. You're a bunch of dumb twelve year olds reading my books, anyways. 
<laughs> Someday nobody's going to do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, no way anybody would scrutinize these issues that closely that anybody would ever catch this mistake. Well, anyways, Iraq starts ripping its way through the, uh, the airplane fuselage or something, and Colossus attacks it. And hits it straight towards Wolverine and Nightcrawler and the Professor and Jean. And uh, Nightcrawler gets out of the way and leaves everybody else to have to get hit. Don't worry about me! <laughs> I can teleport right away. His bamf is yellow rather than purple, which kind of bothers me. And Snick is spelt wrong. Yeah, let's cut an extra. It's it's S N I C K T. Snicket. Snicket. And Wolverine looks at his claws and like, God, they've never made that noise before. <laughs> Something's wrong. Uh, and yeah, so... Wolverine laces it uh, pretty uselessly, and Jean Grey stops it with her mind blasts. But then Spider-Man saves the day. Yep. By swamming it. Into the ground. And nobody here is like, oh my god, Peter Parker is Spider-Man. It's pretty amazing. And the professor's there. And even the professor's like, oh. I mean, he should be, right? Because he's like, what are you doing here, quick mind probe? Oh, okay then. Right? Wouldn't you if you're the professor? Yeah, nobody says anything. They don't even say, Spider-Man, where'd you come from? <laughs> They're like, oh, it's normal. It's Spider-Man's here. He's everywhere. Uh, well, they go up to the cockpit, and Cyclops apparently has gone crazy due to the expression. Elton John is flying the plane. <laughs> yeah, he's he's in one of his more lame wigs, but uh, the sunglasses <laughs> are right. And Scott just completely is uh, fine with the fact that Spider-Man is suddenly there. Oh, Spider-Man. figured out how to land us, Spider-Man. But for the life of me, you would think he would, since he's not actually looking at Spider-Man, he would just think that it was Peter Parker. Right, because he's like he says, like Scott, I hear you're having a little trouble up here. No trouble, Peter. Pa uh, sp sp oh my God, <laughs> Peter Parker is Spider Man. Who the hell's Peter Parker? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. And the fact that he's just like, oh, I figured it out, Spider Man. Nothing to worry about. Without being like, what are you doing here? It's just yeah. yeah. Well, anyways, outside Banshee's screaming at him. Storm's zapping him. They're still trying to land the, land the plane. Destroying some more racks. They ended up, uh, they they can't get the landing gear out and they can't slow down. So they, uh, Spider-Man jumps through the hole in the floor of the plane and creates a parachute to slow the plane down, which somehow works. Apparently this is a trick he picked up from Reed Richards in Fantastic Four number 166. Which, actually, probably Reed Richards did it with his body, which actually makes sense. Oh, sure. Okay. But the webbing doesn't make as That's much sense. That's a lot of webbing. And, like, we know his webbing is pretty strong, but this is a crashing it, 747. It would have to be, like, not have any holes in it. Well, not only that, but, like, how does he get it to loop around? I mean, the airplane is probably going a couple hundred miles per hour, and here's Spider-Man, like, just shooting webbing outside. How is he getting it to, like, loop around to the other side of the plane to catch on something? Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Probably overthinking it, but... Anyways, it it does work because it saves the day. They're able to kind of crash land the airplane, but everybody's alive. 
I mean, at first, Storm thinks everyone's dead, but, you know, a couple panels later, we realize everyone's alive. And that's when the senator says, these guys are clearly the X-Men. Yeah, and that they're probably the ones that crashed our plane. Because mutants are awful. They're like communists, like the guy that we're with. Oh, we forgot to mention there's a guy named Boris who's a uh, Russian, and the senator's like, we're not going to collaborate with you because this is a Cold War. Yeah. Wolverine does another snicked with a C to shut him up. Again, he's like, God, these cl- I got to get these checked out. I better go back to Alpha Base. Uh, yeah, and so Boris pulls out. I think his no, his name is not Boris. His translator. So there's like an irony here. Like this guy's got a translator named Boris, but this guy speaks perfectly good English. And then the joke is that the translator like is his wife's brother or something, or his sister's husband, and something like that. The translator does not speak very good English. Ah, too much. And he pulls out a super duper futuristic Geiger counter. Yeah, a radiation detector. Oh, I'm sorry, a radiation detector, not a Geiger counter. And, it... and Colossus says, Professor, there is a similarity between the contraband's device and your cerebro, which I don't really see, but okay. And the professor's like, how did you know? And says, so like, <laughs> yes, Peter, I'd noticed that. But who or what is it detecting? And the little Russian dude whose name we probably got earlier, but whatever. He says, there, my friends, the reading is most definitely coming from over there. And we look, it's empty, but we know from earlier in the book, it was a major, crazy military base known as the Nest. But it's gone now. It's true. So they don't know how they're going to go in, but the... Doctor also happens to be carrying some anti-radiation spray. That's handy. Which we should point out is lasts for one hour. Hmm. This will come in handy to know later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One hour. Well, I mean, maybe they solve this caper in 30 minutes, and then there's, you know, 30 more minutes for additional capers, maybe. I, I guess. I guess <laughs> that has to be it. <laughs> So they all get sprayed with the anti-mutation, whatever, the radiation spray. And they head down into the nest. We we go to, I don't recall where Chapter 2 started, but Chapter 3 is where we're at now, which is Into Hell Pit. Into Hell Pit. Hell Pit's got its own, like, trademarked font. doesn't have a trademark next to it, but it looks like it should. Like, it should be a comic book called Hell Pit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wolverine is constantly chastising Spider-Man, and Spider-Man is ribbing him. And that's a theme that goes throughout this issue. Think you can keep up with this webhead? I've been keeping up with up for, for years, friend. And since I don't hear them talking about you as the amazing Wolverine, I must be doing something right. Wolverine seeks to bet you, my friend. He seems to find some measure of security and belittling of others. Watch it, Elf. I bite. <laughs> I'd like to see that issue. Um. <laughs> Wolverine's like chewing on Nightcrawler. I told you. Push me once too many, I'll bite. Well, the professor tries to communicate, but he's like, oh, the strain of communication is hurting me, but I must warn you of the danger. And nobody says, like, what danger? What are you talking about? They're like, yeah, yeah, it's going to be dangerous. You're right. They're like, it's always dangerous. Come on. <laughs> like, at what point are they going to be like, you hurt yourself for that non-value-add communication? What's wrong with you, old man? <laughs> and that's when he does. He hurts himself, and he 
he this is a reference to his weird Shi'ar mm-hmm. headaches. He says, uh, are you all right, Professor Xavier? I am well, Doctor, for a man living in a nightmare. Oh. Which explains nothing, and the Doctor's like, okay, kooky. Yep. So a couple of the X-Men take off. Wolverine and Spider-Man have a little back and forth. Snicked is spelt wrong again. Nightcrawler separates them. Nightcrawler mentions that Spider-Man's a good guy from his appearance in Spider-Man 162. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a lot of filler in here, but eventually they all end up inside the base. Well, some of them end up inside the base, and two cloudy, mysterious people come up and say, these are not the ones we're looking for. These are not the droids <laughs> we're looking for. Let's go elsewhere. And we, they eventually come out after knocking Banshee and Storm out. Uh, and then they go up to take on the rest of the X-Men, which they do pretty handily, in, including Spider-Man. We get the dramatic introduction of Yamadharma. 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 Dude. I am Yamadharma and I am death. The X-Men just fall over laughing. They're like, Yamadharma? What the heck? Then face Colossus' death and meet your urg. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. They realize that Gene is, in fact, the one that they are looking for after they beat up all of the X-Men. Yeah, they capture all of the X-Men in Storm, and there's like a little dialogue here, and they're like, before you stand eight beings, they stare at you, and it is in their voices you hear. It is they who have removed your clothing and replaced it with your uniform, the garb of the phoenix. And you're like, what? (laughs) What else do they do, these sick Yamadharma freaks? We are now in Chapter 4, A Gathering of Gods. Yes. Um, Storm wakes up, or I mean, uh, Jean wakes up and she's like, what? You had me naked? (laughs) I'll kill you! (laughs) And no. there are eight of these guys, just like there were eight of the guys from the nest originally. So they guess they didn't die. No, they, they didn't. Apparently turned into gods. Yeah, jumping a little ahead. I mean, there was a Hindu god who or guy who was working really close to like some radiation stuff, and apparently when it blew up, like his thoughts on mythology and stuff like infected these other people. And they turned into Brahma, Mara the Dreamer, Yama the Death God, Kali the Black Madness, and Agni Lord of Fire, Vishnu the Preserver, Ratri the Knight, and Shiva the Destroyer. Kali Rama. (laughs) I think it's a little presumptuous to call yourself Vishnu, but (laughs) whatever. Some of them didn't live, though. There was, I mean, the eight people lived, but there were some other people down there that died. There were other people? I don't know. It's like a skeleton down here. Oh, that's right. Because there were nine people down there, and one of them died. I don't know who died. Probably doesn't matter. I think the ninth one was the one who was the guy who uh, had this uh, belief system that created all these guys. Oh, okay. So in some sort of lame way... The X-Men are being held in some sort of net that blocks all of their powers a little bit. Individually. So what basically, like, Storm can't get out of hers because it's Storm-proof. Wolverine can't get out of his because it's Wolverine-proof. 
But the X-Men figure out that if they use their powers on the other people's traps, then they are able to easily get out of them. Except that Nightcrawler is the first one to use it. Each of us has attempted to free ourselves from this field, but our own powers held us. Yet perhaps there is another way. Although my power of teleportation failed to free me, it caused a riff in the field, freeing Banshee. Yeah. All right. Simple as simple as that. So the rift is there. Banshee screams, which lets Colossus go. Colossus punches. It just and it's a domino effect from there. Oh, and Colossus says some Russian, which oh is normally we don't do the Russian from the outside things, but this is kind of interesting. It's all it's all in Russian alphabetic. It's like six pi a r o a a p i o b a c. Yeah, it looks like Gnarafo back. Благодарю вас. That's not how you pronounce yeah. it at all, Adam. That didn't sound like Gnarafo back at all. Благодарю вас. Ah, jeez, and that means thank you. It's a very ugly way of saying thank you. Thank you, Banshee. Many thanks. Bagnivach. <laughs> oh, your language is so beautiful. Duh. So Colossus frees Cyclops, Cyclops frees Spider-Man, Spider-Man frees Storm, Storm frees Wolverine. Wolverine has nobody to free and is sad. <laughs> Wolverine saved nobody. What's wrong with my claws? So then there's something about energy here, too. They want all these eight beings now want all of the energy, and when they get all of the energy, they're going to leave the planet like a dying husk. And Phoenix is the catalyst of all that. If she'll just submit but she won't and so they fight it's one heck of a fight too and wow. they, they defeat the eight people but somewhere in there they all have a change of heart and they're going to try to save the eight beings and send them out to space or something like that they use some good teamwork in order to beat these people it's important to notice yeah they keep switching off powers and, and stuff. Well, nobody writes a good uh, teamwork scene other than Bill Mantlow, you know what I mean? That's true. So it, what, what happens is after they defeat them, it turns out that even though these guys are all going to die, they're going to take the world with them. And that's when the X-Men decide, well, we better save them oh, so okay. that we can save the world. Tell us what to do, Scott. And for some reason, Scott knows exactly what to do. He's like, all right, everybody, link hands and do exactly as I say. And so Gene pulls out, I don't know, we'll call him Brahma's life force and shoots it out so that Nightcrawler can teleport it and Cyclops can shoot it and then Banshee can scream at it and then Storm makes a hurricane. I don't know what's going on here. He just wants it contained, Banshee, while it gathers strength on the ground below you. And, uh... So he, they're bouncing it around, and the friction due to this life force bouncing around is going to cause heat. So that's why Storm creates kind of like a, a, a blizzard to cool it down. So she's spinning that all around. Spider-Man and Wolverine are getting really cold, and they might die. No, no, uh, I'm sorry, it's it Spider-Man and... Um, Nightcrawler might get so cold that they're going to die. Wolverine has no part in this plan, and he's very upset about that. So well, he... he's he's holding hands, I think, because yeah. she says, Stop, Wolverine, break the linkage now, and you'll kill us all, because he wants to save Spider-Man and, right. and Nightcrawler. 
And so just at the last moment, they're able to contain all of the life force, and Cyclops blasts it into space. And that's when Earth-bound astronomers discover a new star. Whoa, this is crazy. That's Now the, tele, the professor is able to telepathically connect them. He can get through. The, the radiation is gone, mm-hmm. so they're okay. Thank God. The professor mind wipes everybody so that nobody knows who's who. I think sent them along their way, but they didn't have an airplane. They're in the middle of the desert. <laughs> now all that leaves is a plane load of people who know where we are. He's mind-blocked any knowledge of what's happened on our part. Just like that? Boy. From the memories of the passengers, Spider-Man. Boy, that would be awesome if I could use that to explain things to Mary Jane Watson. And that's when Cyclops is like, Mary Jane Watson, Peter Parker, oh my god! I know who you are! (laughs) Totally. Alright, well the next issue uh, that we're going to look at here is Marvel Team-Up number 53, which happens immediately after the what we just read, basically. And it doesn't necessarily feature all that much of the X-Men, so we'll just kind of scan through the parts that have the X-Men. Hulk is in a weird abandoned town. And then we cut to the X-Men, who now have a jet, and they're flying back. This issue was drawn by John Byrne. Oh, yeah. Written by Bill Mantlo. But yes, uh, so it's not a very good Byrne. I guess it's an it would be an early Byrne, so he's still working on his craft here. He has a different inker than Terry Austin, ah, so point. maybe that has something to do with it too. So basically what's happened here is uh, Jean used her Phoenix Force to fetch the X-Shuttle from the mansion, I guess, to the desert to pick up all of the X-Men and Spider-Man. And they've made Spider-Man sit on the hood. And that's because there's no room. Right. And they figured that he would prefer that than walking back. I love how, I don't know, it's like very cartoony the way like all of these X-Men are smooshed into this uh, X-Shuttle. And for some reason, like, they're flying at high altitudes, probably pretty fast, and Cyclops' head is above the windshield. So is Wolverine. I don't know, it just feels like they'd be getting some serious wind lashing here, but they have a little thing about, like, oh, that nest thing was pretty crazy. Spider-Man, did you actually really want to come with us? And Spider-Man's like, sure, of course I do. What else am I going to do? They get attacked by a strange uh, bunch of two-man hovercrafts. (laughs) You know what they're called? They're called floaters. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) floater one this is floater five we've got spider-man in our sights floater two is in the area i don't know it's not what i think of when i think of a floater but anyhow (laughs) actually i think of uh coffee beans but whatever oh really they fire the floaters fire missiles at the x-men and the x-men uh cyclops manages to destroy them all save one Big surprise there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it knocks Spider-Man off of the ship onto the deadly rocks below, but Banshee saves him at the last second. Mm-hmm. And that's when they realize that there's some mysterious town nearby that is what the floaters are protecting, and Spider-Man sees on the busy screen of the ship that they have that the Hulk is there, and he decides that, boy, he better go check this out. 
because Bruce Banner, he doesn't want Bruce Banner to die. Right. So the X-Men take off, leaving Banshee to fly Spider-Man to the town, and then Banshee's going to return back to catch up with the team. Mm -hmm. And on the way, Spider-Man gets too heavy, and they almost run into some trees and stuff, but they're okay. And then Banshee goes away, and and that's pretty much it. Hulk is fighting a dude named Wood God. Yeah, I don't even care. Yeah. (laughs) He turns into Bruce Banner for a little while. There's a little explanation, like uh, there's like some people in uh, suits that are like, "Oh my God, what are you doing here? You should be dead. This whole area is radiated." And that's when Spider-Man's like, "Oh yeah, I was sprayed with anti-radiation stuff. I'm cool." Yeah, and that's what you were talking about before. So presumably, the first Nest mission took 30 minutes, and now he's just in the second half hour of the day. Right. Uh, that's the only explanation. So. The next issue is uh, Marvel Tales featuring Spider-Man. And we have issue 262 here, which is uh, a reprint of probably 54, I guess. Well, no, this is like, this is a modern comic. This oh, really? Is like, yeah, this is kind of a, a retcon. So we'll be, oh. really, we'll be really brief. It's basically what happens with the X-Men uh, after they leave Spider-Man. Which they get attacked, and then Banshee shows up, and uh, it's like six pages long. So we're just mentioning that it exists. Two sixty-two. They get attacked by some West Coast of. Hang on, no, is this? I didn't recognize. Is this a Sam Keith cover? It is. Yeah. Nice. I wish the whole issue was drawn by Sam Keith, but it's not. That would have been way cooler. This issue is drawn by Vince Evans, and uh, he's fresh out of high school or something. Uh, it's not very good, but it's very 90s. Arian is the colorist, so that's kind of cool. We got a one-named person as the colorer. Arian? Can't be Arian. It's got to be like Orion. <laughs> uh, and Barry Dutter is the writer, but yes. Anyways, it takes it takes place immediately after uh, they left Banshee and Spider-Man to deal with the Hulk. So it take it features West Coast Avengers villains, which I don't recognize. But if you guys out there really care about this, it's Marvel Tales two sixty two. Yeah, and it's just terribly drawn. Look at the professor's head in that third panel. It's only like six pages long. Nothing major happens. Some dude named Sunstroke attacks them. They land. If you thought my description of what they looked like in the shuttle before was corny looking, it's really corny looking here on the. Uh, the second page, I guess. But yeah, they, they fight, and it turns out they're all curious because, like, a cactus shows up out of nowhere. Like, some mountain grabs Wolverine, and he doesn't understand how that's possible. And uh, then the X-Men get away, and they don't really bother to investigate or follow up as to why any of this is happening. <laughs> and it turns out that these West Coast Avengers are... I don't need... Do they have, do they have names? Yeah, they have names. Uh, Cactus, Gia, you can come out now. Oh, and then the, there's a uh, girl whose name is Butt. <laughs> B-U-T-T-E. Just like I was talking about a, a few months ago on, on the podcast, a, a hill with like a flat top. It's like a butte or a butt or something like that. Mm-hmm. So anyways, these guys are like elements or, I don't know, they're stupid. <laughs> but they decide that they're going to stop shooting down airplanes. That's nice of them. So that's... 
kind of funny that they decided to like revisit this story 30 years later. Yeah, it's kind of random. And do it terribly. I mean, it, I would even say it's more random than the Mitoxo thing we did. Perhaps you disagree. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, it could, it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely more random than the Mitoxo thing. It's very short and not very good. Yeah. The Mitoxo thing was at least entertaining. Yeah. So nothing, nothing to say much about that. And that's, that's basically all we got. True dad, yo. So if you want to join into the fun, why don't you visit us at www.xmenpodcast.com or you can go to facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast. You could follow us on our Twitter feed, which is at danger room go. You could uh, try to find us on the stitcher going to iTunes, find us a bunch of places. Could leave us a message, which you probably won't do, which is at 501 Get X Men. I think that's everything. All right, Adam, you got anything else? Now let's wrap this turkey up and send it off to Christmas. Okay. Uh, then until next time, folks, the danger room is closed. <laughs> <laughs>